Well, hello there, and welcome to the AFA podcast, the official podcast of animation for adults.com. This is episode 80. I'm Chris, and I'm joined this week by Rachel. Hi, Rachel. Hey, Chris. How's it going? It's going all right. I'm really excited about today's discussion, and if I recall correctly, we are in our uh, anniversary for our podcast, so I'm really happy to be here. Yes, this is our two... Technically, it's our second anniversary podcast because the first episode was released a third third of July, I think, um, mm-hmm. uh, two years ago. And this is going to be a sort of normal episode, and we are going to try and do something to mark the anniversary in a future episode. But we'll get to that later. And also here is Dan. Hi, Dan. Hi, Chris. How's it going? It's fine. It's a little ropey. I might be a little hoarse by the end, and but I'm great otherwise. Thank you very much. Okay, so we are going to be talking about Michael DeWitt and Studio Ghibli and Wild Bunch's Oscar-nominated feature film, The Red Turtle, at long last, later. Yeah! But before that, we want to... Uh, go over some news stories that have happened since the last time we taught news Mm -hmm. so let's get on with that then Um, (laughs) let's start with a story that actually goes back quite a while but we couldn't not mention it on the show seeing as we have been following on this series on, on the show we've been following the development and the announcement and every detail that's come out about the upcoming reboot of DuckTales woohoo (laughs) <laughs> uh, and um, so they have now released the opening titles so we're not going to not talk about them are we no um, I mean why not that was one of like the the biggest thing about the old show is like that was it had the one of the catchiest theme songs of all time which is still obviously being used for this show but I love it, it's 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 definitely worth talking about just the animation sequences of, you know, how they're introducing the characters, and... Because, I mean, this is going to be how the show pulls in not just, nostal- you know, people who are nostalgic for the old cartoon, but new new fans as well, so... However, how the opening presents itself is the uh, really important to discuss and how it's going to appeal to everybody, so let's talk about it. Well, first, obviously, the song is slightly different, because uh, it is now sung by a lady... That's mm-hmm. the slight difference, um, and it's obviously a bit of an update, but it's the same song, more or less. Yeah, same um, lyrics, same uh, same kind of beat to it. Because obviously there'd be a riot. If yeah, they if, they mess with it, if they mess with it too much. Yeah, it ain't broke. Don't fix it, people. But the animation itself of the opening credits, so good. So very good. It flows really well from one scene to the next, to the next, to the next, which is really in a a, a short opening sequence to a cartoon show you really want. It's very fast-paced with the song, and of course you get to see all the characters that we're going to be seeing in the show, which is also very important, so um, it's, yeah, the, I'm digging the, it. They're very much like playing up the um, the whole making it feel like a comic book thing. You've got like, these half-tones everywhere. Mm-hmm. And panels and the um, uh, yeah, well, uh, the half tones and then each um, kind of a bit like Zap 
Beach. It's um, <laughs> uh, a bit of a deep cut. That's there. a bit of a spiritual reference, which is going to be lost on not just everyone <clears throat> outside the UK, but everyone, I guess, who was born after 1996. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, and, and also, like, they've got these, like, little um, vignettes, these little um, tab- tableaus. Rather, um, uh, which are all based on older Karl Barks paintings. Oh. Um, who was? Um, he wasn't the. F- I don't think he was the first uh, artist to work with Scrooge McDuck, but he was certainly the one on which Ducktales was based. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think he he was the one doing it for the longest. But yeah, they've got. A lot of like nice nods and homages to his his way of doing things in the series, which is um, which is quite cool and refreshing, actually. Yeah, it's part of the reason like there's a lot of people stuck with it, not just the show itself, but I mean I know there was the there was the Ducktales uh, comic as well. So it's just it, it would make sense that if you're going to do like out of a reboot, if you really want to draw in as many fans as possible, you have to include a lot of you know rep, you know not just. Things that'll appeal to all areas of the fan base, right? Yeah, and I I think so. My, I only have like one criticism of the whole, uh, one criticism of the whole thing, and okay. that's um, it's just that the the you know the other song is like Ducktales, woo. Mm-hmm. I I can't do it very well. It's all right. Um, it's all right. The woo is a little bit like airy fairy and soft, for my liking. Hmm. Like I kind of, you know, the original was like woo, like that. It's really excited. It's really pumped and, up. Yeah, it's pumped up. And like the ooh ooh is like there's a nice like, little pop from one note to the next. And this one's like woo. It's a bit floaty. Uh, that's literally the only thing which feels off to me, about <laughs> it. which is pretty like which is a glowing review, I, I think. Yeah, I mean, if, if, if it's if it's just that one itsy bitsy teeny tiny aspect of the song that just does not seem to jive, and everything else is okay, you know, good, then I yeah. even I'm I'm even like a fan of the redesign of Huey Dewey and Louie. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, no, I've all the character redesigns so far that I've seen from this. I love, uh, yeah, um, God, Webby Webby's design looks a lot better, a lot less yeah. cutesy. Well, she looks more like one of the gang. Yeah. yeah. And oh, um, I believe the uh, the nanny. The um, I think one of my favorites so far was at least in this particular shot of uh, the opening is um, the nanny with the glasses. She yeah, was in the of the housekeeper for Scrooge, is, and she's so look at her. She's huge. And she's going to be a badass now, obviously. She's going to be. I um, I support this. Yeah, Mrs. Beakley, uh, and also. Um, one thing I heard is that apparently Donald's going to be a much much bigger part of this this version of DuckTales. And yeah, you see him a lot. You see him a lot in the credits, so there you go. You get you get a little taster of what what to expect when this arrives this August soon. Yeah, that was, I Mer- forgot they actually America. they announced the the release date that it's coming out in August. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's in the US anyway. So ah uh, well. You'll get it in short order, I'm sure. I hope so. If, if, if it uh, if it takes off as much as Disney's hoping it will, and considering how much effort they're putting into this being a real like big deal, then 
guarantee once the like as soon as we get like the first maybe five ten episodes and maybe like it'll it'll start going all over the place. Life is like a hurricane here in Duckburg. DuckTales isn't the only long-awaited animated series that's got a trailer and a release date recently, though. Segway! Oh. Segway! Uh, there's also a little show called Rick and Morty coming out for, back for season three. And we now have a, a new trailer and a release date, which is at the end of July. So, mm-hmm. yeah, July no, we already. We already had a taste test of uh, what season three was going to, um, at least how through season three starts with uh, their uh, little April Fool's Day thing that they had going on for Adult Swim a while back, but which was uh, definitely like a really great way to like kind of get fans hyped up for it. The only, the only problem I had with that is, is that it meant that Samurai Jack had to wait another week before we got to move on for, with that show. But other than that... Other than that, I was really happy to see Rick and Morty again and how they were getting ready to kick off this new season. The only problem I had with it is that I couldn't see it. Um, <laughs> then I won't say anything. Uh, yeah, but they released the first episode and then there's the season's going to... I think it's ten, ten episodes, so... Mm. You've had one-tenth of it already if you've seen it, so there you go. Uh... <laughs> But it looks great because it's Rick and Morty, and yeah, I'm Pickle Rick. So there you go. Pickle Rick, and um, I'm seeing some Mad Max references, and yeah, it's it's very typical Rick and Morty. But that's that's why people come to it because it's it's they have a really great sense of humor. And I I just love all the sci-fi ideas and everything as well. It's it's Mm -hmm. like it's proper sci-fi at the same time. Yeah, it is. It's not. It's not afraid to explore different uh, concepts of science fiction. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. And also, it's got pickle Rick. So, hey, what more <laughs> I you am very much looking forward to seeing the explanation behind that. But chances are, I'm not going to get one because, it, again, it's Rick and Morty. Dan, your thoughts on the Rick and Morty season three trailer? It looks good. I've tried not to watch it too much. Yeah. Because, um... I, I like surprises. Yeah. That's it, really. I've I recently, just like in general, I've become a little bit uh, better at stopping myself from watching every trailer. Every trailer of, like, a a, uh, a movie or a TV series or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
I watched it, I think, on my phone when it came out, the trailer that is, and um, it looks like it's back to me. It looks like the show I like. Um, oh, and also, like, surprises is definitely something that the show is just so great for. Mm-hmm. It's, um, you never know where they're going to go next. God, they sound like I'm um, trying to sell it or something, but <laughs> it's true. You don't, you literally don't know what's coming next. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. And it's a good summer treat. And the first two seasons are on Netflix in the UK, so I wonder if season three might go there quite quickly, which would be nice. That's a good question. Well, it does, it has been playing on, is it FX in the UK as well? well I, th- I think it's FX, yeah, who has. Who show Adult Swim shows in, and that is on Now TV as well. Yeah, so July, July thirty. Is that right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. Eleven thirty. Eleven thirty. Uh, believe it. The time slot. Another little trailer got released that got shown over at Anime Expo in LA at the production IG panel mm. for a little show by the name of FLCL or Fooly Cooly <laughs> 2 and 3 because uh, it is coming back for more next year on Toonami on Adult Swim oh boy <laughs> or it's also being released apparently as films in Japan so. Oh, kind of like those. Um, oh gosh, what do they call them now? They because they, they've been doing this a lot in Japan lately. When they do with with animation, they'll have the released like kind of like these longer movies, mm-hmm. or like and then just kind of like oh gosh, I, I there I know there's a name for it, but they, it's, it's something that they've been doing um, a lot recently, and I I really like the idea behind that. But yeah, wow, it looks great. <laughs> yeah. Dan, do you have strong opinions on this? As I, I yeah, it's um, so <laughs> the uh, the thing of, at the end where it says FLCL two and three, <laughs> um, like I I it just kind of reminded me of um, the uh, <laughs> two brothers, <laughs> a, a, a Nollywood trailer. Have you have you seen trailers for like Nollywood movies? Mm-mm. Movies made in Nigeria. No. There's so one think- like called Baby Police. <laughs> and they they advertise that in the trailer at the end they say baby please one two and three <laughs> they've only made like one movie but they're like tricking you into thinking that there is a trilogy I don't know um, yeah I okay I gotta be really honest mm-hmm. I'm holding my judgement for when it comes out okay fair because the trailer was very very easy and I gotta say, I was a little bit underwhelmed by what they showed. Yeah, they didn't Which... really show a whole heck of a lot that would give us a sense of what's going on. But not, you know, obviously, that'll be a surprise for later. But at the same time, it's really would it, would you say it would be harder to disconnect from what happened in um, at the end of the original season of Fully Coolie or? So, like, I don't actually care what happened in. The... That's not why I like it. Fair enough. I don't want to. I don't care about the story. What I cared about was 
the 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 thing they were cooking up, which was this like it's kind of it was just like the perfect um the perfect like bookend to the nineties of like all right let's let's make the most you know um mash up m t v mixtape of a series that's you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's it's um it's what it is is why I like it, like the fact that it's this um brilliant yeah mixtape of everything that the creators were all um fans of or they were just trying things and there were cartoony moments and there were really serious moments and they were kind of had thematic elements and then they had you know they were also managed to do like giant robot fighting in it mm-hmm. uh, mecha fighting and things like that um it was the vibes and it's hard to see the vibes that the series will have from a trailer true okay fair enough um that said i am someone who like when a sequel happens um i do like you know someone being given the um the freedom to try something new and do something different with it so I don't want exactly what we had with the first series but this looks like there are a couple of shots of like um, not very much happening mm. um, and the character designs aren't completely blowing my mind and I don't know it's a very I'm going to be very hard on it but it also looks like they've not quite pushed it in the same way mm-hmm. like Philly Cooley the original um, made like brilliant use of like forced perspective um, and you know fisheye shots and things like that all mm-hmm. all within the um, the old 4x3 aspect ratio um, this one looks like it could end up being a little safe and I hope it isn't I get, yeah, I kind of get that feeling as well when I'm looking at this. The shots aren't really do, trying to do anything unique. They're just, you know, we're just getting yeah. a few, like, shots of, you know, some of these new character designs. Um, and then maybe just, like, a you know, some setting shots and close-up shot of a yeah. robot, you know, just to kind of give us an idea of, like, some of the kind of visuals that they're hoping to, you know, use to, you know, psych up the audience. Yeah, there, but, are, a couple of, there are a couple at the end that look okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, um, yeah, well, well, I literally just have to wait and see. But hey, the biggest part of Furikuri is back, as far as I'm concerned, and that is a Pillows soundtrack. <laughs> That's true. So I'm happy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe they're just having the, the, you know, keeping, using some of the safer, you know, like camera shots just for the trailer and then maybe as we get closer to when this comes out maybe we'll start seeing more of like yeah that's the other thing yeah it's that it's it's really tough to like um release a a trailer in the middle of production because mm-hmm. you're not going to have everything everything's not done yet yeah especially for a tv series I feel like this is kind of like in a way of going look no it is real honest look we've got evidence 
Yeah, yeah look, colored finished shots. Mm. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd, let's just wait and see. I, I don't want to say anything either way, but um, my my thing with it is just, like I said to you, Rachel, I, I don't really give much of a fig about the story. Mm-hmm. I trust that, that the story is going to be fine mm-hmm. or something, but it's it's about the um the mixture the experience of mm-hmm. you know light and sound and colors yeah i mean i i remember cuz i i have not seen i will admit i have not seen the original show all the way through i know that's something i need to rectify at some point but um i do remember that what i would you know the few episodes that i have seen were very much a mixtape in terms of what was going on which characters were involved etc so I will admit, even though, because I'm more of a, you know, straightforward, like, narrative, you know, that that kind of stuff entertains me more than the, more of the mixtape idea. I will say the, the mixtape, you know, kind of scenario was definitely refreshing. It was, it's something I had never really experienced before, and that's something that, you know, Fully Cooley is, you know, is, should revel in. Yeah, it, it, it depends. I think... My, I mean, I feel like, look, there are enough anime that are about the plot and doing certain yeah, things. Yeah. And this was one which was like a grand experiment. Mm-hmm. I just, I mean, I, I, I kind of romanticize even like the time in which it was made a little bit. Like, I, I, I sometimes like find myself like imagining like, oh, what was that like? That year, like in, I guess, like, 99, 98, 99, where they were making Fully Cooley, like, mm-hmm. these, these superstar animators. And, like, all of, if you look at the list of animators who worked on Fully Cooley, the original, mm-hmm. it's, it's, like, the superstars of today. And they were superstars at the time, but even more so, like, now. Um, it's all of, like, the old Trigger guys, um, Imaishi and Yo Yoshinari and Sushio. Mm-hmm. Um, so those guys not being involved, you know, kind of makes me feel like, like where is the soul of Gainax? That yeah, I pretty cool. You know, pretty cool is Gainax. Um, and then like actually, cause, so um, they they released this trailer. As part of the um, the anime expo in LA, what was it called? It's, I think it's just called Animo Expo, a- a- Anime Expo. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And um, there was a panel um, <laughs> that uh, Trigger did, Studio Trigger. And they they had like a video, like an opening video for their panel, and I really recommend checking that out. It's mm. um. It's a short um, of uh, it's an episode of their short uh, series um, Inferno Cop, right? Where the joke is often bad animation. It's very funny. Okay. And it Thanks. involves an impromptu. Um, <laughs> it's very fun watching watching it because um, the video doesn't exist; only like a bootleg exists. <laughs> so you have to watch the audience watching it. And there's a part where a character comes on screen and tells everyone to stand up for the American national anthem, 
and everyone stands up and what follows is just one of the best uh, uh, trolls ever. Oh, okay, okay. What's this called again? It's Inferno. <clears throat> what? It's it's the it's the trigger panel um, like introduction video. If you just search like the Anime Expo 2017 trigger panel, um, you'll find it. They they revealed three okay. new anime as well. Yeah, they've been busy, haven't they? One of them is apparently going to be their take on Tokatsu. Tokatsu? Whatever you call it. I don't know what that is. Like, I'm not sure if I do either. Isn't that, isn't that like when you when you when you have like a bed of rice and then you have some pork? Oh, it's um, like it's like Ultraman and stuff. Japanese oh. super, superheroes, people in costumes hitting. Um, oh, brilliant! Like a Super Sentai kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Basically, I think it's the name for the the whole genre, as opposed to just yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Sweet. I, yeah. I can always use more of those in my life. <laughs> anyway, sorry to completely derail the talk there, but um, no, no, it's okay. To no, fully explain how I feel about it, I had to, I had to mention Trigger, Gynax, and eventually Trigger. Mm-hmm. Well, they're mm-hmm. a very prominent studio, so it's kind of good if you're like if you're interested in these these kind of shows. It's it's kind of good to dig a little deeper and find out what's going on more with like within the studios and how they you know like soon see these panels and stuff, just so you can kind of get an idea of the inner workings. So that way you know why they focus on these particular kinds of stories and animation styles and whatnot. It's it's really fascinating. Okay, where do we want to go with our next story? Do we want to go with more anime-related stories, or do we want to go more TV-related? Hmm. Where should we go? Let's 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 close up the anime stuff. Yeah. Okay. Get that out of the way. Okay. Uh, there is some anime coming to cinemas uh, first in the US, and that is by a company called Eleven Arts, who I have to say I had not heard of before, but I I checked out their website and apparently. They've released. Uh, they were responsible for the U.S. cinema screenings of like uh, the Sword Art Online movie, and oh, great, the, yeah. like the Yu-Gi-Oh movie, and uh, a <laughs> bunch of other like. Um, so basically, like companies like Viz partner up with them, I guess. Um, but they are releasing a Silent Voice in the U.S., hmm. uh, which came out in the U.K. back in March, and there's been absolutely no sign of it coming out in the states. And uh, there now is because it's coming uh, via Eleven Arts hmm. in is it, it September, October, I think. October, yeah. Oh, so later oh. on the fall, okay. And they are also going to be doing screenings of the the early Miyazaki classic, uh, The Castle of Cagliostro. Yes. This, I will scre- admit- Go ahead. Sorry, I interrupted you. Which is screening in honour of the 50th anniversary of the Lupin the Third franchise. Mm. I'm going to be honest. This was my introduction to Lupin. I had never uh, seen any... I think it was many people's. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I saw that. I don't know, actually. I might have... I don't know. Uh, anyway. <laughs> it's, de- it's quite actually untypical Lupin, but it's very good. Um, well, yeah, it's definitely more like 
exactly. when it came out, hardcore fans weren't a fan of yeah him being so different. Monkey Punch doesn't like it. Supposedly, the creator doesn't really like rate it because he thinks it's not his Lupin, and he's probably right. But it is a great movie, nonetheless. Mm-hmm. It's very uh, fun. There isn't any specific details of when that's going to be, apart from fall. It says so. There you go. Mm-hmm. But there is also some more anime coming out in the UK in the cinemas, including on September uh, the new film from Misaki Yuasa, which is called The Night is Short, Walk on Girl. Uh, which is I took a look at that trailer, that was really cool. Yeah, well, it's Misaki Yuasa. His stuff is very cool to look at, um, very quirky. Um, and yeah, it's like one of these films where you can read the plot and that's, that's fine, but it won't tell you anything really about it's It's the execution that's going to be where it's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. And based on how popular like that post was when I wrote up about it, uh, there is definitely a, a US following out there. Um, and this is one of the two films he's releasing in 2017, uh, which is crazy. Um, Busy guy. Really is. Yeah. And he's working on a TV series. Yes. Devil Man Cry Baby. God, man. Although apparently it is like 14 years or something since his last feature. So Mm. he's making up for lost time, maybe. Um, (laughs) But he has been. One way to do it. He's been doing TV series in between. It's just not movies. Um, Did you see the trailer, Dan? Uh, I did. Again, I kind of want to save it for the movie. Mm. I really, really want to see it. Um, uh, yeah, I. Um, that's it, really. I don't know. I, I haven't actually finished... Also, I haven't finished watching um, Tatami Galaxy. On which I believe this is kind of based. The connection is that they are both from the same author oh really yes. I thought it was using like same characters I initially thought as well uh, but it is apparently it's just um, from a, a based on a novel by the same author right. and it's got okay. lots of references and stuff apparently but it is a individual standalone work that can be enjoyed on its own without having seen Tatami Galaxy Oh, brilliant. Okay, well, look, dude, it's a Yuasa thing. I'm there. <laughs> Just, um, so I'm really, really chuffed about the um, the UK release. Yeah, September 20th, courtesy of Anime Limited. Um, um, uh, they, they've previously released what in the UK? Anime Limited? Yeah. Uh, they are the people who released Silent Voice and... Um, and your name uh, oh brilliant so it's going to have quite a I mean they did a pretty good job of getting into cinemas um, albeit with you know just like one showing oh, they've, like they've, one or two showings they've got a relationship with a company called National Amusements or something and mm. they're basically putting an anime in in cinemas like every month <laughs> for That's the rest brilliant. of the year more or less uh, I think I think they skipped uh skip June uh, because um, it's almost like it's like we're making way for in the corner of the world <laughs> and <laughs> it's like they're even like hey go watch in, corner, in this corner of the world 
and that because it's not them releasing it um uh yeah and they're releasing Lou over the wall i think is the yeah, label of the other Misaki Yuasa film in december so that's really exciting because it's a treat i mean i've i've um i've i've been on that role since uh since i guess your name Mm-hmm. came out I think in December mm-hmm. or late November at least <clears throat> excuse me and um oh my god it's like that fucking far show sketch I'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's so annoying um I suspect reminds me of my favourite one is is where they they've got an album and it's like a folk singer and it's a <laughs> And there's, he's coughing at the like he's singing the country song and after every line he's coughing, and then there's he teams up with a bunch of other people, including one guy who's who's got a strange thing where he just goes arse at the end of every yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's for White House, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh god, that's so good that show. Yeah. Um. So I can't remember what I was even saying. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I was yeah. I've been watching like an anime movie in cinemas quite regularly. Mm. I saw um, I saw in this corner of the world last week, and previously yeah, there was your name and um, a silent voice. Um, it's great because mm. um, I don't know. It's just uh, and 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 they're not like presti- they're not what I would call like a prestige movie because usually right. the only ones we get in cinemas like the Ghibli's and um, you know things of that pedigree mm-hmm. uh, um, Hosoda, Hosoda movies as well mm-hmm. um, and it's quite nice that like particularly like a silent voice just felt like a teen movie mm-hmm. that just happened to be animated um, and somewhat as well with like your name uh, so yeah I'm looking forward to that yeah the it's really, really pleasing to see that they're just like they're having this like steady stream of releases in theaters now that are you know. And from Japan. and also it's bringing the crowd because most of these screen well your name was packed out it was sold out. Um, Silent Voice was pretty busy. Um, in this corner of the world was really busy. Um, it's it's drawing a crowd as well. People are coming out for them. I think the mar- the, that they might be partially to them. They're doing a good job marketing these movies to let people know that, hey, if you're interested in Japanese animation, you should definitely go out and see these movies. And that's, you know, there's quite a large, you know, fan base for Japanese animation all over the world. And they really are. Yeah. yeah. Like a, 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 an advert for um, In This Corner of the World came up on YouTube, mm-hmm. actually, the week that I was going to see it. Um and I was like, oh, right, I didn't even search for that. <laughs> I was really confused for a second. I was like, I don't remember searching for that. And it was like an automatic advert. So, yeah, they really are doing a great job with uh, with marketing. And they're actually getting lo- lots of coverage, actually, like from critics and stuff as well. Like um, some, mm. of, some of like the highest profile like film critics in the UK are um, uh, giving really strong reviews to films like like in this corner of the world and your name and, and oh they're complete anime notes the film yeah film critics yeah yeah you wouldn't have guessed that though which is great <laughs> but that's yeah this is 
really, really love to see this this trend continue because well, I love seeing Japanese animation. I love seeing it in the big screen. So especially if stuff like you know with the silent voice and um, uh, in this corner of the world just looks so freaking pretty that they need to be seen on the big screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, and just also for the. So I mean, it can be also be a, like a nice shared experience as well. Mm-hmm. And it's um, it's quite a treat getting that with anime because usually, anime is a bedroom experience. It's a mm-hmm. real solitary thing, you know. And it's quite nice to to do that with with other people. Yeah, I mean, even if you do have a bunch of friends, like you know, watching like in an anime club or something like that's 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 pretty much previously that would be the only experience of. I would ever have watching an anim, you know, an anime series or a film in a group before. But mm-hmm. yeah, you're right. Normally, it's a very like you. You're just kind of like surfing on the internet, looking for something to like um, to binge watch, and then it's like, oh, you find an anime series, like, oh, this looks like it's got an interesting narrative, or it's got a good animation, or whatever you know, things you enjoy about the uh, a, a particular like cliches or something that you really get into, and then you watch it all the you know as often as you can until you finish the whole thing, and then you move on to the next one. But it's uh. No, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot more. It's a lot of fun being having having more of a group experience with this. Mm. And uh, Manga UK uh, have released their upcoming home release schedule uh, for the fourth quarter of the year. Um, and there was an interesting inclusion on that list is the fact that they're releasing a non-Japanese animated project that uh, we have talked about on this very show before and that is Dash Shaw's uh, indie US feature My Entire High School Sinking Into The Sea oh. um, which is getting a Blu-ray and DVD release in the UK uh, November 27th so not bad sweet so that's the first I've heard of that getting any uh, <laughs> coverage over here so that was good I'm, uh, I'm pleasantly surprised by that I, I think it might be released by Animatsu, their sister label, because they released other non-Japanese animated stuff like I really like um, Red vs Blue and uh, Ruby as well. So mm, the Rooster, yeah, Rooster Teeth uh, productions that I see. Yes. So uh, check that out when that comes out. Uh, if you've been waiting for that, and you're in the UK. Um, and finally, uh, there is a TV series, well, presumably TV series, that we've just heard about, um, based on a video game series, and that is Assassin's Creed is getting an animated series, uh, from the producer behind the, um, upcoming Castlevania series on Netflix, which, hmm. as we, as we talk, is going to be on Netflix tomorrow, uh, July 7th, so... We don't know how it's going to turn out right now, but uh, I think some people have seen it and are happy with it because uh, Ubisoft have asked the the producer uh, to start work on a, a series based on Assassin's Creed. Now that this would be a very interesting series to try and you know adapt because it's because it really like you know you have a whole slew of different characters you can use. I mean, at least you know determined by which, you know, story or which time period that they're looking to visit. 
But um, I'm not entirely sure. Like, what is, have they announced anything on what the um, what the setup is going to be, or is this just this is just the basic annou- announcement of, hey, this is a thing that's in production. All that's happened is the producer said, hey, I, I, my next project is going to be uh, a series based on Assassin's Creed. Ubisoft asked me to do it and make it an original story. And it also says it's anime, uh, but I think I think uh, they said that about Castlevania. When it, it, it's not. It's, it's not really. Uh, but it's one of the, It's like... You know, when I, in my young years, that would annoy me. I'd be like, no, it's not anime, it's not Japanese, shut up. But, you know, whatever. It's, it's inspired, inspired by, it's kind <laughs> of like, um, it's inspired by, it's kind of like um, with, uh, with like Avatar The Last Airbender or um, Voltron Legendary Defender. It's like, you definitely see it's where it, it takes inspiration from Japanese animation in, in terms of like the, the design and, you know, just the way that they, they style the show. But it's definitely, is it? I'm, I'm interested to that's see... A, that's a pretty lame and, like, desperate marketing technique. <laughs> yeah, to be, yeah, I understand that, to be sure. Like, just like, oh, no, it's it's anime. It's like, eh, it's not really. But at, at the very least, you have my attention with me being curious of wanting to see how you can adapt this particular franchise. Because this franchise, story-wise, and at least from what I've experienced from the games, is kind of all over the place. I mean, it's still entertaining, to be sure, but... I've lost track on what it's trying to do with its narrative. Which I really is, I think, like... why the reason that they're going back to, um, for this this uh, new Assassin's Creed game that they've uh, announced after E3, out of E3 is like, oh, we're going to show you the, the setup of this whole conflict that has been surrounding this story since the very first game. So it's like, okay, so that makes sense to try and go back to square one because they don't know where it's going. I really like the games, but I really like running around, like doing parkour in Victorian London or whatever, and doing oh yes, doing random cool things like that. Um, and but all the sort of oh, you, the secret organization going back in, going in the, the what do they call it, animus or something? Animus, yeah. All that stuff is 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 bobbins, isn't it? No one cares about that bit. <laughs> and the, well, here's the I thing. Think, Seems to be what they based the American movie based mainly on. <laughs> well, here's the thing: that that was really just a kind of a setup. Like, I mean, the whole intrigue of the whole real like core of the Assassin's Creed game is the individual stories. It's not really the whole having to travel back and you know having this one guy in a machine act out the you know his past lives. I mean, that's definitely kind of like in terms of science, you know, fiction. It's, you know, it's it's interesting how they're approaching it, but at the same time, like, what we really get invested in is not so much what's going on in the present day, the people involved in doing this time jumping, it's the stories of the characters in the past, in these different mm. time periods. Those are the people we let, want to see, those are the people we enjoy. Like, I swear to God, like, I mean, to this day, one of my favorite characters in the Assassin's Creed franchise is Ezio Atatore from uh, the Assassin's Creed 2 games. Because yeah. he was just a very fun character to follow. But that's, you know, it, it depends on how they f- they focus on it with this particular show. Do more stuff like that, unless it's the, um, <laughs> the uh, thing, and it'll be better. Mm-hmm. But that's just our opinion. Um, yeah, so we'll wait and see on that one, I guess. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think that wraps us up for news. So we can get into our, our long-awaited talk on the Red Turtle. Yes. Ready. So ready. What we're going to do is we are going to uh, basically give some brief thoughts on the film first uh, because it's it's kind of a weird film in that it's hard to spoil in a way but there might be like plot points that you don't want to hear if you haven't seen it so we're just mm. gonna we, we'll get into there are there are definitely ways to spoil surprises and I have mm. seen people do that with this film mm. so we're gonna do a quick sort of spoiler free chat first and then get into more detail after that after we've warned you <laughs> um, we will give people a heads up so the red turtle it's a beautiful film. <laughs> um, it's interesting because the first thing you see is the Ghibli logo. But, I know. But it's a red Ghibli logo. <gasps> it's like when they release white Skittles. It's like, what is going on with the universe? And that is when you know it's Colors, not going to be... <laughs> it's not going to be your average Ghibli movie. <laughs> and indeed it is not because no. it's not really a Ghibli movie uh, <laughs> but it is it is a beautiful movie uh, it's gorgeously made and uh, the animation the the uh, like the backgrounds and, and the characters and everything it's all beautifully done and the characterization without any speech is amazing uh, <laughs> And the music and just the whole it's just, it's just the experience. It's just like it's just like a beautiful eighty minutes. <laughs> um I, I, I yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to talk about it because like you want to go into detail about but the, the minute you do it's it's like, Oh gosh, is that spoiler? Is that spoiler? It's like ah. You took the you took the words out of my mouth though, Chris. I was it's I couldn't really think of like how to summarize it. <laughs> Um, I've only seen it once. I saw it Me at too. its premiere for the London Film Festival. Um, right, yeah, we brought that up. <clears throat> the atmosphere was amazing, but it was it was um, it was uh, I had to just like process it for ages afterwards, and I still am. I think I'm about ready to see it again now. Um, <laughs> And I kind of regret not having seen it on its actual release, but yeah, experience is the word. It's just, it's it's not necessarily the story or you know certain things that that make it what it is. It's it's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's it's this is the editing with the sound, with the music, with the gorgeous animation, with the gorgeous backgrounds, with the colors and. The filmmaking, it's it's everything. It's yeah, it's an experience. Um, it, you, I don't know how you can prepare anyone for it because I think even um, compared with De Doctor Witt's uh, previous work, it's pretty unique. It's like a much fuller animation style than he usually employs. Um, 
um, and and like way more detailed as well. Um, like the philosophy on his earlier stuff is a kind of like uh, cartoony impressionism, where um, like particularly father and daughter is told a lot with like these sort of like almost silhouetted figures. Um, and things like Monk and the Fish is like drawn with a very calligraphic uh, line, which is looks a lot more like something um, you'd see Takahata do, like My Neighbors the Yamadas or something. <laughs> um, uh, but the Red Turtle is like this gorgeous, full animation style with you know characters with accurate, well, pretty accurate anatomy. Um, but like a really appealing sense of design still I think I think you'd definitely like look at it and go alright this looks European yeah definitely there, there are some like there's something about like the dot eyes yeah and the sorts of lines they're using you're like you can see it's European from a mile off like April um, in the Extraordinary World or, or uh... definitely yeah um so yeah I don't I don't even like saying I mean I don't like saying I like it or I love it because I feel that's just like almost pointless and certainly not as interesting as talking about like what the film does mm-hmm. or can do to people. Um, you kind of get in like this meditative state watching it mm-hmm. with the um, the familiar sort of um, sounds. Well, they become familiar sounds of this foreboding island that he finds our um, protagonist finds himself shipwrecked on Um, you kind of get into this like meditative state where you know the sea is washing backwards and forwards and the tide comes and you get used to the rhythms of it's all about rhythm like that's that's the thing that I think about when I think about this movie the most is the rhythm everywhere in 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 the movement of the animation and the editing and sounds and the music it's um it's pretty remarkable yeah i I have to agree because i was I was waiting to see this movie for quite a long while and i um I recently had the opportunity to do it since uh in here in the u s they uh they released on uh dVD and blu ray and I finally got my hands on it and I've had a chance to watch it not once but twice and yeah, definitely on my first viewing, I was very struck by... It is like, the, you used the word unique, Dan, and it's very much uh, a word that really defines this movie, or at least gives you a good idea of what to expect, because I don't really think I have ever seen an animated film quite like this before. And that's, you know, and I've seen... I've grown up with a lot of different kinds of, you know, watching animation, television, movies, whatnot... But never have I come across something like this. And it, that really struck me. But it's still, like, just like in any one of those other films I could have seen, I still got really emotionally invested. I you know, was really eager to see what happened next because it, was very, it wasn't very obvious on where it was going. I mean, you, you have a... Like you said when you gave us the sub, you know, they have this man, trip, you know, he's trapped on this island... And, you know, he's trying to figure out a way to get off. And then you just kind of follow the process as you follow him, like, exploring the island and so far. The other details we'll get into once we hit the spoiler section. But, yeah, like, even though, like, I went in expecting to see, you know, 
at least, you know, a familiar story with, you know, maybe a few twists and turns here and there, it really kind of swept the rug out from under me and then went in a direction that I didn't expect. And even when it did, it wasn't jarring. It was very... It, I don't know, it, it, I'm not going to use the word natural, but I don't think that's the word I, I should be using. And just terms like it felt like in terms of the way that they were choosing to tell this particular story, it felt good. It felt like I was, you know, watching a story I'd never seen before, and I really appreciated mm. that. That's and, the, yeah. That's really interesting. You're saying that because um, the the whole thing of like the film lulling you into what it is. I think one of the very smart thing it plays with. Um, is the tension between whether this is a fable or whether it's a sort of story uh, book world exactly or if it's a treacherous place which is um, the, in, in which the film is interested in exploring like the brutality of nature mm-hmm. um, I think that's yeah that's a really interesting part of the movie yeah, it, it walk it walks a fine line uh, on that, and I, I appreciate the fact that it took that you know it decided to do that because it like I said never never seen a film like normally when you have an animated film and you market it to a, a wider audience normally you you try you want to try and stay with something that you you know at least at least in terms of you know movie making something that a lot you know a lot of audiences will pick up on and they found a way to do it with this movie but at the same time also kind of really experimented with a little bit. I mean, the fact that this movie has almost to literally no dialogue was... and But they still were able to find a way to have us, in, you know, endear us to these characters that we're introduced to. You know, the, the man who's stranded on the island and then just later on like, watching his struggles trying to get off and then, you know, as the story progresses, it was it was great. It was... It was oh, I can't... Like, I, I want to talk more, but, like, I have to keep checking myself because, like, I don't want to say anything that I shouldn't yet. No, I don't want to, no, I don't want to either. <clears throat> I was about to talk about how the film opens, and I feel mm. even that's a spoiler. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> I guess. So, shall we just say, basically, The Red Turtle is very much worth your time, and you should watch it as soon as you possibly can. And yes. <laughs> Don't wait like don't wait like I did. No. If you do get the opportunity to see it on a big screen, it's definitely worth it. Uh, Because it, I I think, it does benefit from the experience. But if you can't Mm -hmm. see it, just see it any way you can. Uh, But we are going to go into more detail. And if you want to go into this film unspoiled then you should uh, skip ahead a bit uh, check the show notes uh, and you can rejoin us for the water cooler section or or come back when you've seen the film Uh, but now we shall continue uh, where I mean here's the thing spoilery waters (laughs) spoilery waters where do we even begin (laughs) Well, Dan, you said you wanted to say something about how the film opened. All right, there we go. Oh, yeah. Mm, Well, it's just like the whole thing is... It's like a dream. Mm -hmm. It's it's like a brilliant dream. 
and like a dream, it just opens in the middle of the thing. Yeah. Like, you don't see... The, no the film isn't interested in saying, this guy was shipwrecked from this ship, and this and this, and this happened. It's not interested in any of those specifics. No we don't have Tom Hanks at home first. No. Going the film his mission for FedEx, and then... Getting... Yeah, the <laughs> film just opens with a guy, and it could be the modern day, probably, yeah. probably not. You don't know. Um, you have no idea. He's just in the middle of a of the ocean, um, on a. I guess is he on a raft at that point? Or he was on a um, like literally, it was a, a turned over like lifeboat of some kind. Right. So you know, it could be any anywhere, anyone from any country, and um, that's where the film begins to play with the whole like universal like feeling that it has, mm-hmm. where. Um, I actually I wanted to ask also actually Rachel. Yes. So the the film like says it's um it's um I, I I think in the official like production notes it says something about like telling the stages of of man's life. Do you, mm-hmm. And and I think it's as as um as uh, as guys are like quite often want to do with with films like self-insert uh themselves to the protagonist and really see everything through through their eyes and it's a very powerful film um mm-hmm. i think uh for that reason did you feel like you identified with the protagonist or whether his gender was like a a barrier or anything no, I I honestly wouldn't do that because mm-hmm. I mean when I, at least definitely in the beginning when you see him and he wakes up on the beach of the island and he's you know exploring it and you know finding his you know way around exploring the the forest and then you know falling into that like ravine area in the water and then trying to find his way out I was actually like you know really kind of like I was putting myself into his position you know just saying oh like oh not oh god he's trapped sure. in this like this in- enclosed pool with no, almost no way out. It's like, it, you know, even as he's trying to squeeze his way through, I'm just like kind of, a little, I'm almost even at the edge of my seat a little bit. I'm just like, oh God, oh God, that's gotta suck. Oh, oh God, that's gotta suck. So intense. It's so yeah. intense. It's so good. But no, yeah, like even though it's, you know, this was obviously a, very, a male protagonist, like, in, in, to an extent, like, you, because of the fact, like you said, it's even more of a universal movie. Like, anyone who could find themselves in the situation, you know, or imagined being in this situation, you know, you've always asked the question, what would happen if you were deserting, not you were, if you were on a deserted island, what would you do? Or what would you, the one thing you would want to have? I think if, because of, because of that, anyone can pretty much put themselves in this guy's place and say, at least, you know, very early on in the film, just like, oh no, he's like, you know, you can relate to this. It's like, what, would you, they would more or less like do the same thing. Like, okay, we we'll build a raft raft starts breaking because a darn sea turtle keeps ramming it like of course I'm gonna get angry mm-hmm. oh yeah no I, I um I was only asking because um yeah because of the whole universal thing like it 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 feels apart from that thing like it like a very universal story and it kind of invites invites like um there's this saying about animation backgrounds they're meant to look like incomplete mm. drawings until you add the characters and the characters in this film are beautifully designed 
but they're also designed with a um, yeah, the universal thing again, like a kind of almost a sense of plainness. Mm-hmm. Like they're waiting for you to fill them with your hopes and dreams and ideas and <laughs> reactions and fears and things like that. Yeah. Um, it's a really can... God. Oh God, you just get lost. You it's just like a dream. You just get lost in the movie. It's um, it's it's such a weird. Like lovely way to to spend some time <laughs> watching a movie. Yeah, and at the same time, you could also like if if you're someone who really is even into this, like the fact that they don't tell you anything about this guy before uh, before the movie just starts. And I like I like I also really like the fact that it just starts and doesn't tell you anything. Like so, anyone could really just kind of like watch this movie, and if they felt like it, they're like, oh, well, this you know, they could create a whole character around him, and then just like you know, it, that would be another. Uh, a level that they could enjoy the movie because no one's interpretation of what could have possibly happened before this would be the same. Not that they right. necessarily have to do it if they don't want to. It's like you said, it's very dreamlike. It's just, it starts, it goes through the motions, and then it ends. Yeah, it's not interesting letting you think about that stuff either. No, it's not. I mean, very very quickly, it it turns into, okay, what is this place? How do, how do you survive it? What's what are the secrets? What are the things keeping me alive? What are the things? And mm-hmm. it's um, yeah, it goes it, it goes on. Um, it's, it keeps it's, you in the present. I, my memory is failing me a little bit, um, but I always do this with movies anyway. I always end up like not remembering the plot, but definitely <laughs> remembering like how it felt to watch mm-hmm. them, my reactions. Um, and this one, you know, I haven't seen for a few months now, and it's still pretty um, strong with feelings I get when I think about it. Well, that's yeah, really yeah. the point of it, I guess. I, I how, think... how about you, Chris? What are, what are your what are your feelings on the movie? Well, I, I think you're, you're very right there that it's a film that you feel in a lot of ways, I think it's it, like I described it as an experience. Um, mm. And you were talking about the opening. Um, I I thought the opening, you know, it the basically the storm at the beginning. Uh, it it really grabs you from the off, um, and you feel really part of it. I think I think you've talked before. I think uh, something about something that Takahata said about animation um, in a way people connect with it more because of because of its artificiality or something um, yeah on a more emotional level or something and I for some reason like when in an animated film if it's done well when it rains it's like I can almost feel it (laughs) (laughs) I, and it's something I get in Ghibli movies, like like in Totoro. <laughs> and uh, you know, I I don't think I'd necessarily get it from The Simpsons or whatever. But when it's <laughs> done, right. when it's done, you know, really well, like in a Studio Ghibli movie, I I can I can almost like smell. <laughs> yeah, it's a great, it's a great, it's a really good cinema film, mm. or or at least a headphone film. Yeah. I want to really get like good and lost in. 
Yeah, it's like you, if we're referring to the opening scene, like with the the rolling of the waves, as you see in our protagonist as he's struggling to stay afloat, like with the way the camera shoots him, you know, watching him as he struggles to swim, and then kind of blocks him out a little bit as the waves roll over. It does make you feel like you're really a part of that particular scene, like you're just barely trying to keep an eye on him as you're going through the waves. And uh, I, because. Again, it's been like a couple of months or so since I I saw it as well. Uh, I I was trying to refresh my memory by watching trailers and stuff, and mm-hmm. there was the clip of the uh, the studio can now released a, a clip of the tsunami, but and it reminded me of just how intense that was as well. Oh God, um, yeah, that that's a lot further on in the movie, but at the mm. same time, I remember they 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 had all the uh, the warning signs. Like in that that early early part of that scene, like they start you know listing off all of the the big tsunami like you know warning signs. Like, okay, the birds are freaking out, um, the water's receding and everything. And basically, as soon as I saw that like you know the fish flopping around from the uh, from the receding water, I basically just kind of got this like I just felt like my heart stopped for just like a quick second. Like oh shit, I realized what's going on. Run 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 run. <laughs> and then they finally start. They realize what's going on. They start running. We're going faster. Yeah, it's so amazing that bit. God, that was oh man. And then the I mean, um, uh, the, the aftermath's a bit emotional as well. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know. And that was a real point where you're thinking, what, what, what are they gonna do? <laughs> I'm just like, is our protagonist dead? Like, I can't. I don't even know. Like, is the movie gonna try and pull that yet, or? What? Because I think at that point we had been following, um, you know, uh, we'd been following the son character mm. for quite a long time at that point. Like, ever you know, and it felt like the movie had almost shifted to him being the main character. So at that point, like, you know, when we have the aftermath of that big tsunami and then we you know, we focus on him as he's looking for the others, it's just like, oh gosh... Is he gonna? Is he literally gonna become the new main character when we lose the first one? But no, we, that's not how it happens. Nope. Oh, this movie. It's hard not to talk about it without getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. I like when I was watching the trailer. It was like it was coming back to me. It's like, oh yeah, that's how it made me feel. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also the trailer. Remind me how beautiful the music is. Yeah, music's great, and um, but there's just there's just something about the color palette I really really dig. It's very oh, yeah. soft. It's very like very soft colors all across the board, and it's, it, it kind of gives it a natural feel to it. It's interesting in that it's you. It's not what you imagine an island. The classic look of a desert island or whatever is all paradise and beautiful hey (laughs) beautiful blue skies and and uh, perfect beaches and everything but it's um it's more you know it's got grey skies and things like that and just more more realistic and uh, actually in in the interview with Michael DeWitt on animationfrados.com he actually says about that about how it's important it's not idealised and that's not really what 
islands alike all the time, so... Well, no, yeah, because they're just like any other place in the world. It's like, it has all types of weather. It has, you know, it, it'll have disasters. It'll have days of good weather, days of bad weather. And, I mean, the e- the ecosystem is so isolated that it's just learned to adapt to whatever the ocean decides to throw at it. So, but when you have someone who may not be, who may be used to living in a specific area and then all of a sudden has no other choice but to make do with the area he's in, you know, that's, you know, that's, that's dangerous. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, desert islands are, you know, if you ever find, if you ever do find yourself stranded, it's a very dangerous situation to be in because it's, uh, not only are you all by yourself, but you're in a, you know, strange place with not really knowing what's safe to eat or you know, what's safe to drink and so on and so forth. And you just really have to be able to make do, even if you, especially since you do, if you don't have any tools, because it, to be honest, that one of the things that really surprised me, um, especially early on in the movie when he's stranded, obviously he have, you have the whole part where he's looking around the island, trying to figure out what's, what's where, like where's there safe water to drink, where there's food. And then also that, um, that kind of bamboo forest, which he eventually Mm -hmm. starts, you know, cutting down the, um, the, the stalks of bamboo so you can make a raft it's like a part of me was one like you know the only those the only points that took me out of the movie a little bit like okay how did he do this but then i really kind of like criticized myself later for asking that question because it's just like well i'm sure there's like there's a way he can do that like you, you don't necessarily have to have a specific tool in order to be able to like do that when you're when you're that you know eager or that desperate in situation you make do with what you have and if you really don't have anything to make the situation you just do it anyway because the only other choice is you die. You starve and you die. No, so he's probably some sort of a, a sailor of some sort because he's on the boat in the first place that gets... <laughs> <laughs> that, that might be reading too much into it. We have no yeah, idea. Yeah, again, it's like, it's, it's, it could it's just difficult be a to read into passenger, it. but... <laughs> but no, it's like... A, that, that's basically how I kind of, you know, originally when I was starting to question bits like that, that's how I basically decided to wrote up, like... You know, again, it's survival. It's basic survival. Like, even if you don't have the most ideal situation, you do what you have to in order to be able to move on mm. and be able to keep... Well, what you're, do- what you're doing also is you're engaging with the film. Mm-hmm. And that's, like, it's its goal, I think. It's a very... its This word is thrown around so much, and I rarely think it's actually applicable but it's philosophical mm-hmm. it's asking you to think it's asking you to ponder it's asking you to think I wonder how he got that there or wonder where those crabs are from those what crabs are were funny man I like those crabs they're great yeah. and the it's funny like, they almost seem like the the, the, the the sidekicks of the movie but they're, they didn't do any they didn't have to do anything like outrageous with them they just having them do what crabs do you didn't have to give them, like, really silly personalities or whatnot. They were just running around just doing their thing at the right place at the right time to make you like, oh, that's really cute. <laughs> I never thought there would be a day where I would call crabs cute, but here I am doing it. <laughs> that's that's kind of where the similarity with Ghibli comes in. Not in, like, <laughs> any of the, the plot or, in, in, you know, or, what, or the style so much as just the fact that it's just a, you know, just like a quiet movie that doesn't have to have this crazy crazy cast of sidekicks and bad guys and things like that it's just a relaxed gentle well sort of <laughs> it's in, intense in its way but you know it's just a 
small movie that you know what I mean <laughs> no but it's yeah. at the same time it's like it's a, it's a kind of style or it's a kind of it's a type of movie that I think people underestimate and think animation can't really do because normally as you would see with like d- depending on uh what kind of animation you're looking at or normally people will say oh if you're doing something in animation you got to do it over the top you got to do it really bright really colorful really just stuff that you couldn't get away you could not do with you know live action filmmaking because you know if it's animation then of course you should try and do everything you can in order to set it apart well it's that's not the case here i mean again it's one of those things that we've talked about occasionally on the podcast is like you know you could have done this or something similar to this in um in live action but it would not have the same charm it would not have the same depth mhm it wouldn't it wouldn't be i don't think it would be as minimalist as people expect either yeah that's the benefit of um uh i mean animation directors have to know exactly what they want mm-hmm. and they have to or as a result, or vice versa, they are very particular. And the film was like meticulously storyboarded by the Dr. Witt himself. So all of the images you're getting are exactly what he wants to show you. Mm-hmm. And because they're exactly what he wants to show you, um, there's not an ounce of fat on anything. No. If he wants to show you, you know... Um, a particular view he's showing you it for a very very good reason mm-hmm. um and it's I, I yeah i don't know how you would make it in live action because you know even things like the shapes of the rocks you know are, are all in the layout and the uh, background design mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be able to find these places well you would but it would take a long time mm-hmm. It wouldn't be exactly what you you would envision. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's. But the, go ahead. The other the other thing that I think um, animation can do when it comes to being very minimalist is everything. Then because the, I mean the film is actually very I think um, the animation is very realistic. It is. Everything is realistically proportioned. I mean there are some shots of the. Um, of the forest and every leaf is drawn it's just insane <laughs> I saw the film actually with a background artist friend of mine yeah and he all he could talk about for ages afterwards was just like oh my god it must have taken so long to draw those <laughs> all those leaves yeah definitely props to the background artist for that one that they they put in yeah. their due diligence with this movie yeah, but, but because of that as well, um, you enter this kind of like a, a sort of like surreal world where you know um, you can show the sand and the sea with nothing on it, and I mean nothing on it, yeah, just the sand barren. and the sea. It, but yeah, exactly, and you wouldn't be able to do that in live action because there'd always be bits of rubbish and bits of sea life and bits of seaweed but this is like pristine and um i i think that effect um is really powerful and you wouldn't be able to do that with live action mm-hmm. no yeah and especially 
especially a certain part in the movie that I remember getting really, like, I wouldn't say upset, but just with, like, I was really, my, my, um, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, my, uh, inner animal lover was not happy with. I mean, it was part of the narrative, and I understand why that, why that it happened, but still, it was very, it was hard to watch, actually. Really? That is, I'm referring to the scene where after the third consecutive time that the um, titular red turtle knocks the protagonist off his raft and destroys it, and he gets upset, he goes back to the island, and then he notices the turtle climbing onto the beach, and he goes and uh, takes his anger out on the poor thing. And it wasn't really over the top either, like, I was, I was worried at first, but it was just... It was still, like, because I love sea turtles, I'm just like, no, don't, that's bad, that's bad, stop doing that. The turtle wasn't in distress, though, in those scenes, was was it? You could see it was trying to struggle, but it wasn't, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's just, it, I've never seen, like, a sea turtle put in that particular situation, but I ne- but in, at the same time, I never want to see a turtle put in that situation. <laughs> no, no. But still, even after the whole thing where he flips it over on the back of its shell and he stands on it, jumps on it, and whacks it with the stick and then leaves it for a little while, you do eventually see him start to regret his actions and then that leads into the second half of the movie, which was... But, 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 but I mean, I was... I'm an animal lover too, but I was feeling this guy's frustration. Well, no, you, because you're supposed you want... to. You wanna you wanna survive. You're on a desert island. You gotta get off that thing mm-hmm. and find civilization again. Um, I I find that an interesting reaction because I was I was um, probably more with him in that moment, <laughs> and I was also also I was I mean I was thinking like, all right, this is like the futility of you know one man's frustration and how silly it feels in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But also, I was thinking, like, I'll let Turtle's shell can take it. And also, the turtle had caused him great distress. That's fair. And and had endangered his life, and I think cut him at a few moments as well. Mm. Or caused him to run onto um, coral or something. I don't recall that. I think it's, it just literally knocked the boat off. I mean, he could have potentially injured himself when the boat fell apart, or the raft fell apart. But um, there was the, the first time where he sees it and he's face-to-face with it. It could have done more. It could have tried to bite him or something, but it didn't. It just it knocked him off. It destroyed the raft and then left. Right. And I guess also, by this point, I was aware that the turtle was a magical being. Yeah. You, you get a supernatural um, vibe from <clears throat> it right away. Yeah, absolutely. So I wasn't... Um, worried for its welfare in that sense because I wasn't even sure um, if it was real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then it's, you, you see later on that it's uh, it's not exactly a, a regular turtle now. And we don't mean it's a ninja. No, 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 no ninja sea turtles here. It transforms into a beautiful lady. It's a, it's a bird. but even then after you see you know the he thinks that the turtle is dead and he's starting to feel regret about and then it turns into the you know the woman 
and he, you know, while she's sleeping, he takes care of her, and then even when she wakes up, I love it how she immediately goes to the water. So it's like that that's you immediately can tell even though, you know, she's now you know, was once a turtle, now is a woman, she still has the memories of being a turtle and then she's, you know, last thing she remembers is this guy flipping her over and been wailing on her. So the first thing when he tries to like meet her or reconcile with her, she's just like kind of hiding out in the water. Just like, don't come near me. <laughs> Which was mm. good. It was it was I'm, characterization I'm... without dialogue. <clears throat> And it's great story to, as uh, fairy tale storytelling as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're like a an amateur student of mythology, uh, like me, you'll know that like the um, the unconscious principle is also the female principle, and it's also the principle of the sea or of water, mm-hmm. uh, large bodies of water. So that was like really when I was watching the film and I was processing it in these terms of like um, it being like a dream. Mm-hmm. It, but it has like like you're saying as well. It also manages to make these moments um, very very real and tactile, and like suddenly. Um, like like real like there, there's a realism to things like people hurt people get hurt and there's not you don't get I mean you do, there are lucky escapes mm-hmm. but not without real costs and scratches and bruises and oh things. yeah no it doesn't shy away from that at all <clears throat> yeah so I love that mm-hmm. I've just I've just thought of how like the um the woman coming out as the the turtle is kind of reminiscent of like Taylor Princess Kaguya oh definitely and mm-hmm. that that kind of like Japanese mythology and maybe because um, DeWitt De- De- apparently said that they told that they complimented him by saying his, his filmmaking was very Japanese mm-hmm. so, but they never explained I what that meant the Japanese things, though, that's a compliment yeah. they're so in, in love with themselves <laughs> <laughs> the, um, I think um, they also actually they gifted him with a copy of um, I think it's called Kwai, Kwai, Kwai Dan which is a book of Japanese folktales ah. um, this was before he um, uh, um, started making the movie Um, before he started making the movie Studio Ghibli I mean the the story behind it coming about was supposedly Miyazaki was watching Father and Daughter uh, Dr. Witt's um, Oscar winning short and he went this guy's really good let's ask him to make a movie with us (laughs) and it was just it came to Doc, to, to Doctor Whip out of the blue, and then eventually I think um, uh, it was Takahata who really um, was the person who uh, Doctor Whip worked with the most. Yeah, I remember seeing his name in the credits, so I, I, it looks like uh, he's he... credited as something like a creative consultant or something, or yeah, creative and I, producer. 
And considering how I've seen a few of uh, Isao Takahata's other, like, you know, in his work in Ghibli, I can kind of, I can kind of see where his influence is a little bit. And I mean, obviously, it's still, oh, it's still the documents film for sure. But still, like in yeah. terms of like the calm, like you said, almost meditative pace that this movie takes, that's like it's it's it almost feels reminiscent of uh, Isao Takahata. But like it's again, like I said, it's, it's definitely Didactwood's movie and his own personal flair to it. But it's it's I like the fact that it's it had that slow pace, but it didn't feel like it was putting me to sleep. Like I was, it was still very much invested in what was going on. I think that's that. That's all to do with the Doctor Witt's personal, um, sorry, his personal uh, style and his personal sensibilities. He's always been someone who um, works around this really tangible sense of rhythm uh, in the movement of characters and in the editing and in the sound and the music. He's always been playing with it, and in the past, it's been a very energetic cartoony thing mm-hmm. still brilliant I mean his shorts are great <laughs> but with the red turtle it kind of like kind of like what you were saying really it, it, it matured to a calmer level where he was much happier to yeah like go at a slower pace and like well, not slow but steady yeah, it was. It's steady. Steady it's a, it's is exactly like, a good a word for it. It's pace. not slow. It's steady yeah. movie, steady pacing. And yeah, like for this type of story, for this type of story, that was actually the exact pace it should have gone. Because, like you said, that way we take time to really draw out this place uh, that we're that was, that's our setting for the film. You know, watching our protagonist as he comes to terms with his situation, trying to get out of it, encountering a roadblock you know, committing an action that he starts to regret and then something, a, big, a bit of a surprise happens with the, with the more fairy tale element of the turtle turning into a woman. And then, gosh, it's really hard to, like, really describe the parts after it because it feels like it just kind of settles into, you know, an, 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 almost, I wouldn't say it's a separate story. It's like an evolution of the story where the goal of the, the movie is no longer not to get off the island. It changes into something else. We have to go back, Kate. I, I think um, it it reminds me of that John Lennon quote. Hmm. Uh, life is what happens uh, when you're busy making other plans. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, while you're busy making other plans. And um, that's really like where the movie um, sits for me in that space of well he wants to he wanted to get off the island when he was a young man and he but after a while he um and also reminds me of this other quote by um i cannot remember who said this but it's it's to do with um home again it's um uh home isn't where you were born home is where your attempts to escape cease exactly Ooh. That's a great um, way to put it. And that's that, that's pretty much like how the film deals with uh life on the island. It's it's not I, I the other thing as well that I found weirdly refreshing about it was <clears throat> it's not interested in telling you how they survive. It's not interested in 
doing all those um those desert island tropes. Yeah, yeah, of, yeah. It's... How do they how do they get water? How do they how are they surviving? Oh what what about that plane that they saw on Tuesday? Like you just just doesn't when come do into they, it. When do they find a hatch? Oh, oh don't go there. Where's the polar bear? Chris, I'm bear? warning you. Do not go down that rabbit hole with me. I I said before about about it being eighty minutes, but it's weird. It kind of isn't, and it. I don't mean this in a bad way, but it feels longer because you. Really, oh, it definitely feels longer. You, you feel yeah. like you you really go through something because. <laughs> Because of like the time that passes during it, it feels like a experience again. Yeah, we'll go back to that word. It's a dream. It's yeah. like when you nap and you accidentally end up napping, and you you have a little dream. You come out and you're like, "What happened? Dream time!" You're like, "I was, I was awake. For, I was asleep for what, like five minutes, and then you realise it was about fifty minutes." Mm-hmm. Um. And then you're like, oh yeah, dream time is different to real time. <laughs> I mean, the other film that makes me think of in a weird way is Ethel and Ernest, actually. Oh. oh. But like, I won't go into why particularly. <laughs> why? Why is that? Dot eyes. Hmm. Yeah, it's just the dot beyond, beyond dot eyes. Yeah, oh, it's just the dot eyes. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's amazing how expressive of, dot eyes can be. It's kind of the 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 way it made me feel, really. Mm. And also the the fact that it goes through quite a long period of time. And it makes does you feel, makes you feel presumably, right. yeah. Because not long mm. after you see um, the woman, the the woman who was the red turtle and the and the protagonist, you know make up and you obviously they they learn to survive together and then you get it to a shot of the beach and the next thing you see a little boy a little toddler wandering on the beach with his new his mommy and daddy and like oh they went and had a kid yeah and and the animation like with the on the kid as well like oh it's so freaking adorable yeah Making all the toddler noises and just wandering around, mm-hmm. having a grand old time. And even um, there, was, I love that there was a really nice touch when um, they were all on the one of the like the the big kind of like rock overlook that you know, overlooking the sea. And he sees a turtle, like a sea turtle, in the water down below, and he wants to go see it. And he obviously he slips and he falls, and he lands in the same kind of enclosed space that we saw earlier in the film with the protagonist. And the protagonist wants to, like, you know, jump down after him and help him, but the woman holds him back. It's like, no, no, no. Let him let him figure it out. Which was, mm-hmm. an, again, a nice nod to the fact, you know, to her, her, her true nature and and kind of, you know, carried on that whole fairy tale feel to it. Yeah. God, it's so beautiful. <laughs> We're in the exact same boat. It's just like, oh man, there's just so much to talk about. It's hard to focus on any one point for very long because one it goes from one event to one point in time to another point in time very steadily. And it's just beautiful, like animation and design. I know I really can't talk that up enough. <laughs> I feel it's just um, 
really, really exquisite work. Now, do we want to, before we wrap up the discussion, do we want to make, you know, leave our thoughts on how the film ended, or do we just want to just kind of let let that lie? You will need to remind me of how the film ends. <laughs> well, um, how, how do these things normally end? <laughs> it's, um, it's she goes back to the sea? Yes, she does go back to the sea, Is but that, only after right. a specific point. I, I kind of feel like when there's a story that sort of tells a whole life, it's kind of not really spoiling it too much to say, well, you know how those end. <laughs> so, typically. Um, we all know how this ends. Yeah. So. Yeah, but at the same time, I thought it was a really nice way to end the film. I mean, yes, she does go back to the sea, you know, and becomes the turtle again and goes back to the ocean. But she only does so after... The protagonist has passed away from old age, and also the like the way they show the aging as well is really, mm-hmm. really well done. Yeah, it almost like it like the part. This is like the feeling I get even after watching the film a second time. I still kind of have this. I mean, again, this is probably just me projecting on the movie, and only you know, which is people can do, and I'm, I'm probably just my own thoughts and my interpretation of the, the story, but it almost seemed like the whole tie, the fact that you know, as she as a turtle was keeping him from leaving, and then she only left him at the end of the story after he had passed away, was she trying to protect him this entire time? Well, that I think that's the tension in the whole thing, mm-hmm. is like is it is it about being trapped or protected or her just wanting to stay with him mm-hmm. it could be about so many different things there's so many things in it are about life right mm-hmm. like I think I think um, some part of the brutal um, honesty if you look at life is like am I with, am I these people I'm spending life with are they trapping me? Mm-hmm. You know, those those dark thoughts, you know, leads to some hard parts of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Um, I think the film wants you to f- f- keep making notes <laughs> after it's ended <clears throat> and talk about whether, you know... Was it wasted time? I don't think it was. No, certainly not. It seems like it seems like they had a good life yeah. on on that island. Um, and then, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's um, it's at once like a very immediate, clear film, and then it's just utterly. Um, Subjective like that, you know. You just you, you, was she evil? Was she ultimately no, sir, I, like, or I, not? I did not get that vibe from her at all. Like at least, definitely no. by the end, it was just for for me. It seemed like the life that he had led with her on the island with their child, and even when their child grew up and moved on, that was a far better outcome than the unknown of having to go onto the ocean 
and you know basically risking it you know he could have built that raft and left he might have never found uh civilization again ever he might have just died on the open ocean or ra- ran out of food to sustain himself and just died out there but as you know by um you know accident or design this was how his life ended up being and it was better probably better than he ever expected it would be that's true and also it following the mythology um uh the 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 female principle is the sea the male principle is the land uh-huh i was seeing that symbolism in throughout the movie um you know it's where things are made where things are put together and and um you know uh things are pillaged as well mm-hmm. men cut down trees mm-hmm. that's what they do so um yeah just when it seems to make sense it escapes from you like a dream like a dream exactly uh, that's probably one of the best words we could use to describe uh this film is that it's very it's, it's dreamlike qualities yeah it's dreamlike and philosophical in ways that are often overused when people just want to say Oh, it was a bit weird. They go, oh, it's dreamlike and philosophical. But in this case, it actually is. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Or we could also say that it is totally awesome. <laughs> <laughs> he had to do it. I think he just... Yeah. He just misses the early 90s too much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh I feel you, bro. I feel, I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, <clears throat> there's, there is a French special edition of the film on Blu-ray with a hardcover art book. Oh no way! It looks. I mean, crazy. the storyboards of this film are beautiful. If it has some of the storyboards, then I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to check out the special features on the Blu-ray yet, so I'll have to, I'll do that and get back to you guys. Now that I've seen Mm -hmm. the movie twice, it's about time to start pouring over those special features. Oh, yeah. (laughs) No. Have we exhausted the red turtle for now? I think for the time being, I think we might have reached that uh, that point. I mean, obviously there will always be different things we could probably talk about, but we always, I think we keep coming back to the same description of this video of what makes this movie what it is and what makes it so enjoyable, so... Yeah, there's really not too much else we can say on, on it at the moment, but it was I'm I am immensely glad that I got the opportunity to see it. Now I have it on Blu-ray, and hopefully oh, it will be released on Blu-ray. Blu-ray sometime in the UK soon. September, I, yes, I, imagine, I imagine. Or you can or you can import the French yeah. if you're desperate. <laughs> I imagine we may revisit it in a future water cooler than when it comes out on Blu-ray here, possibly if seeing mm-hmm. as <clears throat> yeah, I think that's likely. I need yeah. to see it again. Yeah, as I've said five times already. <laughs> yeah. Hey, speaking of the water cooler, shall we pay a quick visit to that before we swim sure. off into the blue yeah. yonder? Might as well. I, I guess I I could kick off. Um, sure. I've got a couple of things. I did watch an anime series for review for. A magazine recently uh, by the name of God Eater uh, that mm. was 
apparently based on a video game series um, and was created by the studio UFO Table or UFO Table or UFO, UFO Table. Table. Yeah, that's the um, the same group who I believe they were doing the um, Tales of Zestiria, um anime that I remember watching back a few months ago. Don't they normally do really pretty good high quality 2D animation, right? Well, they, they, they do. They do have, and they, like it depends. Like sometimes you'll have really, really like good 2D art, and then sometimes they'll supplement it with um, computer generated animation as well. Like I've seen that in a lot of the different projects. But no, yeah, the 2D is great because uh, God Eater is all CG, um, and it is sort of shell shaded look, but it looks different because they it most like cell shaded looks have sort of strong black lines to try and make it look more like 2D I think but mm-hmm. this hasn't got it so it, it looks kind of weird um, mm. when it when it in, in stills it sometimes looks pretty good and also some of the action scenes are quite good but just like when there's just people walking around and doing normal things it sort of looks you know how <laughs> how uh, Japanese CG sometimes looks not yeah, great yeah I know um and I have seen, like, with that particular studio where they, like, sometimes where they choose to focus it, like, if it's in just, like, like slight, like, you know, involvement with, like, the backgrounds or, like, a giant, like, set piece. Like, I remember back in, um, with uh, Tales of Zysteria, uh's anime adaptation, they had a really good implementation where they had the majority of the CG um, animating effects, like, big, like, uh, giant storms. And then also my personal favorite was what they did with the uh, the dragons that would show up. Mm-hmm. That was really impressive. I really enjoyed seeing that alongside with the uh, 2D animated characters. But, yeah, I guess it really all depends on, like, how they're trying to use that type of CG. Like, if it's if it takes too much center stage, then it's really noticeable, especially with, like, you know, the how they animate characters. But if it's more on, like, the backgrounds and um, giant set pieces, then it's a lot less jarring, I think. Uh in the story and stuff isn't that interesting it's uh basically it's a future sci-fi setting where there are eight big monsters called the aragami who come and eat people and uh people fight them called the god eaters and they have a i i think their weapons are called god arcs and they're basically giant swords or or um giant guns or some some of the lucky people have ones that move from blade to gun they're Mm, they're the the magical mythical they're the mythical new types they're called and uh, the lead character is one of them and yeah so you get these big action sequences some of them which alright look pretty good Um, but as a whole it's nothing particularly impressive or anything you haven't seen before Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's God Eater <laughs> uh, I it's streaming somewhere. I think probably on Crunchyroll or somewhere like that. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to check it out, um, or you can, it's coming out on Blu-ray in the UK soon. Um, and I also got caught up with the most recent series of Archer, which has just shown up on Netflix in the UK, and that is season eight, which is known as Dreamland. Yes, that's the uh, the kind of film noir, like, uh, detective kind of uh, setting, correct? 
Yeah, uh, it's weird because the most recent series they were private detectives, but they were private detectives in a modern setting. And then this season, uh, for reasons I won't go into, uh, it sort of, as the title suggests, Dreamland. It basically takes place in Archer's head, uh, apparently. Whoa. And it is, but it is also a 40s film noir sort of LA setting with uh femme fatales and, and and criminals and stuff um but all the characters are sort of recast as as 40s versions of themselves that are more or less pretty similar to what they are like anyway uh but uh well, yeah, like if you change that about them they wouldn't be tar- you wouldn't be archer anymore <laughs> but mallory is not is actually his mother but a char- she's like a, a, a crime boss but she's called mother uh, that's her nickname, and uh, like um, Cyril and Pam are like cops, and uh, Archer is a private detective, and he's investigating the murder of his partner, and you know you, you have all these film noir elements and stuff, uh, but at the same time it's still Archer, uh, it's still got the hilarious dialogue and stuff, <laughs> and uh, the inappropriate jokes and things like that, and. I think it's eight episodes. It's not very long, um, but I think that's probably just as well because it's you know got a bit of a gimmick this series and it's a bit different. And I, I, I would have been happy if it had just carried on like it did, but it's it's still entertaining and Arch is great. So <laughs> it was an interesting departure from the norm, and it just makes that's great. I love that they just get getting. They keep getting crazier and crazier. And there's going to be two more seasons, and I just wonder what they're going to do. <laughs> Go all out, I imagine. Because I, it's obviously yeah, make it like a full-on action movie. Oh, and that's the that's the other thing. It's basically one big story. It's uh, carried straight on from each other. Oh, so it's not epi- it's not episodic at all. No, no. And there's there's some great voice actors. The, the, the you know the the voice actors you're used to, but also, uh, well, Jeffrey Tambor's done voice performances on uh, Archer before, but he's back in this new series as a different character. And also, Eugene Merman's on it, so there's a bit of a, a Bob Berger's reunion. But I couldn't, I, I was trying to place his voice at first, and I figured, you know, I know that voice. <laughs> and I was only one to in the credit. Oh, it's Gene, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, so check it out, and I will, I will, I will um, put my thoughts into a more sensible way in actual words and a review on the site. So, what? Look out for that. It, that may have appeared by the time this comes out, if I get my my rear into gear and sort that out. So, <laughs> who wants to go next? Um, I guess I'll go next. I really haven't had don't have too much to contribute this week because um due to um outside frustrations but normally when i get really frustrated by my week normally i kind of go for the same uh usual way to relax or at least get you know out those frustrations and normally that turns to a particular type of video game genre that is the fighting genre (laughs) you know the, the classic arcade style you know you got your joystick and you know you mash buttons and then you hit another. You hit an opponent in the face, and then they fall down, and then you says you win. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> and there is there are multitude of different franchises that have kind of spun around this song. You got, you've got your Street Fighter. You've got, um, you know, I like I've always enjoyed Blaze Blue a lot for like the you know traditional two D fighting games. But there's one that I remember like when I first got into the genre of uh, fighting games was I remember actually first playing this in um, when I was living in London, England. We rented this from a, a local blockbuster, and I just kind of really got into like the 3D style of uh, fighting game because that was when they were just like experimenting. It was a little a Japanese franchise by the name of Tekken. Ah, yeah. Not sure how many people are familiar with this franchise, but it's kind of insane. <laughs> it's huge, isn't it? I thought Tekken was like the last one of the last words in in beat 'em ups. Pretty much. I mean, one of the things that is enjoyable about it, at least in terms of the gameplay, is that it's very accessible. Like anyone, you could be like a fighting game veteran and be all about memorizing combos and. Um, you know, you get into it, you get into it for that reason, and even people who are, you know, just straight up the you know, street, have never really played a fighting game before, and all they know how to do is mash buttons, they could get into this easy. And, um, but one of the things that came out recently was they actually released their seventh installment after quite a long time with, you know, I would say probably, like, a, I'm trying to remember when six came out. It was quite a while ago, though. But I know, like... Was it on PS3? I, six? Yeah, I think... Six might have been on PS3, but I don't know how early in the PS3's lifespan that that came out. Because I think I I really passed up on Six because they were doing a lot of uh, really like questionable changes with the character roster, and that was when they started mm-hmm. including a campaign mode, which was trying to tell a full you know yeah full narrative. And they do it again. Wow, it came out ten years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. Six was ten years ago. It has been a long time, and uh, they were revisiting it for the seventh installment, and it's pretty darn good, all things considered. I mean, even if you're a fan of the series, if not, it's still still a good fighting game. Again, it still has a campaign mode where it's trying to tell a narrative, and, you know, it's... I dig it, because I've been, I've been around it for a long time. Like, I've been kind of picking up bit by bit what the whole narrative's trying to say for this particular series it's really it's it's a revenge story really that's that's all it's just like an ongoing like cycle of revenge and anger and supernatural crazy madness with this crazy guy with this ridiculous hairdo (laughs) but if i will give it nothing else they know how to make this game look really well like like really really good and pretty like, I would say this is probably, like, the best the series has ever looked by far, because it's, uh, again, I'm noticing a lot more with uh, animation and video games. It's like, they, I think we've discussed this in previous podcasts. They really know how to animate. They're getting a better hang of animating eyes. Mm-hmm. So when you do have some of these close-up shots of the characters and they're expressing emotion, it's like you really kind of like, oh, that actually looks kind of realistic. More I so than always, it ever did before. I was always a big Tekken fan back in the day. Tekken 2 on, on the PlayStation with the um, oh, famous on, intro and all the crazy um, characters you could unlock and stuff. Oh like, yeah, the, like, like, there's yeah. there's quite a few. Gone. Like there's some old favorites and there's some new ones as well. There, I think they could still do um, more to expand the roster, but I think that there's there might be a rumor going through the grapevine that uh, they might be releasing new characters for DLC purposes. 
So that that might fix that problem. But even better yet, like I was, I think they they throw it through in a lot of things for this game for longtime fans would appreciate. So you, my guys, might be interested in this. They um they have a gallery where you can literally unlock or you um buy with like points that they give you when you unlock new things. Like say if you complete the story mode, they like throw all of this like game money at you. It's like, okay, spend it how you will. You can use it to either customize your characters to kind of give them new outfits and stuff when you play online mode, or if you're, like, you know, uh, arcade mode or whatnot. Or you can go into the gallery and you can lock pretty much every single cutscene from the previous games, from one, all the way back to the first Tekken game. Whoa. And, as an also bonus... There are uh, music playlists, which you basically can customize different uh, levels, fighting levels, with. Which can be, you know, it could be music from Tekken 7, which is a very good soundtrack, by the way. Or, if you're not a fan of that, you could say if you have a particular track from Tekken 2 that you're fond of, you can go back like, okay, I'll make this level have this particular track from Tekken 2. Like, they have the full track list. Can't so, say I remember any of the music at all. <laughs> <laughs> I I would I mean I get that you know must wash of nostalgia if I heard some of it but yeah I can't remember either yeah well it, it, to be fair because it's you know it's typical you know fighting game you know like fast beats kind of stuff but I will say that this the the soundtrack for this particular installment surprised me because there was actually a great deal of piano and this like there was like more like electronic sounding music and then there's like softer music and a lot, then of course you've got your hard rock guitar and for some of the levels. It's an interesting mix, to be sure. And I think even for those of you who are actually, you know, invested in the story of the the Tekken franchise, might be also intrigued to know that there is actually a character from an outside franchise that actually has a fairly important role in the story, and that would be Akuma from Street Fighter. Hey. He... He was in the story for this, and it was actually kind of a big deal. Which That's was, crazy. So it's, it's I'm, like kind of really, I'm kind of really like I don't know. It's like Mario meeting the rabbit. Things <laughs> <laughs> like that never happened. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really kind of funny because now I've got this picture of the world. Like, okay, if this means the Street Fighter world and the Tekken world are one and the same. All I have this. All I have is this to say. I really don't want to live in that world because that world has seen some crap. <laughs> you have M Bison trying to take it over, to take it over on a daily basis, and then you have the uh, Mishima clan from Tekken. You know, Heihachi, Kazuya, like causing mayhem and ruckus no matter where they go. It's just like uh, I don't want to live there. <laughs> it's kind of crazy. But it's good. Like if you're if you're looking for a solid fighting game with some really good animation, um, and if you have any like nostalgia for this franchise at all, I would. There's definitely a, a lot for fans to love. So definitely check that out if you can. But that's that's what I did this past week. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I I believe you said you saw an anime film in the cinema recently, Dan. I saw a Chinese cartoon. Yeah, no, I no, I didn't. Sorry, I saw a Japanese cartoon. Um, yeah, I saw in this corner of the world, uh, thanks to Animatsu and Manga UK, 
for a very yeah, like, as we said earlier, a very enthusiastic limited release. Uh, that was really well marketed, and anyway, I saw the film. Mm, and it how was, was good. it? And I liked it. <clears throat> that's that's the that's the headline. It's, <laughs> it's great, and um, it's really <clears throat> I can't. So like, it's set um, at, uh, at the home front during the uh, Second World War. In uh, in and around Hiroshima, so it's gonna be a heavy film. Oh yeah. Um, but that said, it's delightful and it's really it's like colorful, very funny, um, and really alive. It's like and also it the character designs are just. Um, Everyone's got like these great big hands and feet, and it's all very expressive. And, and um, everyone's proportions are kind of dinky. It's 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 like, um, and it's based on a manga actually. Um, but but it's 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 a lot like. I can't help but feeling it's a lot like reading someone's diary. Mm. It's got all of the mundanity and day-to-day comfortable uh, scenes um, that you get in life along with just curveballs that life throws at you which don't make sense and seem unbelievably cruel and come out of nowhere especially during the war mm-hmm. um, uh, you know the, the living living in those times is, is um, was tough and this film presents, um, I mean, it's very, it sounds, it sounds almost a moot point. Like, is that the right term? Like to say it's very Japanese, <laughs> but it, it's, um, but it is because, um, I feel there's this very, <clears throat> and I mean, it's very universal at the same time, but it's got this very, I, I think it's Japanese. This, or it's something that Japanese, um, audiences respond to this kind of um, uh, very steadfast uh, unshooken response to tough times Mm -hmm. and people smiling through tough times and things and it not being um, like you know imperial propaganda or anything like that it just being what else are you going to do when, you know, you lose a limb or something? Mm-hmm. How how are you going to react? Are you going to be angry? <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, a wonderful film. It's a historical drama. And also, it, so it reminded me of quite a few things. It reminded me of, um, how Miss Hoxai made, uh, a historical story feel contemporary. Mm. Um, it feels very much like you're living in the moment uh, in in all of these things, and it's not the film's not interested in like looking back with like a fond nostalgia. I mean, there there is nostalgia in it, but it's nostalgia with the gruesome bits left in. Mm. Um, and it also reminded me a lot of Ethel and Ernest. Oh yeah. <clears throat> um, 
kind of because um, it just showed what everyone was doing, I guess, um, during those years. Hmm. You know, hiding from air raids and, um, uh, you know, living life uh, frugally, Mm -hmm. but finding moments to enjoy... And also finding moments like to to build a family as well, and and progress you know mm-hmm. your your life. Um, again, it's not much of a film with a, it's not got a plot. I mean, the plot is, um, you know, it's kind of before the bomb, like before the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know the <clears throat> the bombing of um, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. Uh, that happened on uh, in 1945. Um, yeah, there's not too much to say uh, without getting into great detail and ending up like explaining the plot and who's who. Mm-hmm. But I really recommend it to anyone who has passing interest in animation, in history, in anything, because mm-hmm. it's just such a lovely, warm. Uh, film with a great heart and lots of lovely surprises when it comes to uh, the filmmaking as well. Um, I don't want to give too much away. It's crazy, but um, there is some great. Um, there's great um, use of uh, a sort of almost lost um, animation technique of scratching directly onto the film. Ooh. And there's a sequence that uses that brilliantly. Um, it's a technique I think that like Norman, Norman McLaren and Oscar Fischinger used, um, and I think the last popular use of it was in the credits for Scott Pilgrim. Yeah. Um, they used that technique. Anyway, um, so it's a great film, and I really enjoyed it. And um, it's going to sit with me for a while because it, it's um, it's got some unfor- unforgettable moments and <clears throat> and characters in it um, and yeah I, I realise I've purposely not spoken about the plot because I don't want to spoil it for anyone because <laughs> um, in a film in which very little you know pl- there aren't great movements in the plot um, the great discovery is the characters and uh, and things like that. So, that is the only animation-related thing that I've seen. <laughs> Still, it's a big deal. Oh. It's a big deal. We've been talking about this movie for quite a while, <clears throat> so I'm really glad you had the opportunity to yeah. see it for yourself. Yes, I'm. I'm really glad that I caught it. Yeah. And so, you, there still might be chances to see it at screenings around the UK uh, for the next few weeks or so. Uh, and yes, you yes. Those of you in the States can see it from August, I believe, from mm-hmm. Shout Factory and Funimation Films. So check it out when it comes near you. Okay. It's been a totally awesome show. Uh, thank <laughs> you for joining us for for that um, terrible pun. And <laughs> we will be back soon with, well probably an anniversary show coming up soon and other things as well Um, and you can keep up with everything we do on animationforadults.com you can follow us on twitter at afablog 
on Facebook, on Tumblr, on Pinterest, on Google Plus, and if you would like to help us out create more content in the future and help support the site, then you might like to consider supporting us on Patreon from just a dollar a month and or if you feel so inclined you can make a donation by buying us a virtual coffee using coffee or ko-fi or however you say it uh, and you can follow me personally at mr crystal on twitter and facebook where can we find you rachel you can find me i'm usually on twitter so if you want to reach out to me or send me a message or just see what i'm doing i'm uh on twitter at fail to ninja and dan you can find me on twitter at hamu awesome okay thank you everybody we will catch you soon and good night sayonara bye 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 Hello there, Bob Fleming here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Tell you about my new... <coughs> my new... <coughs> my CD, featuring some of your best love folk... <coughs> folk... <coughs> folk and classics. Sung by some of your favourite... <coughs> favourite folk... 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 Smoking folk singers! <laughs> <laughs>
rhythm. And all around my arse, I will wear the green veil. And all around my arse, for the twelvemonth and the day, and the fairy one should ask me the reason why I'm arsing it. So for my true arse, to the far, far away. Fleming's country favorites available now. Turkey, eh? 